Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Positively Trek, the only podcast called Positively Trek. I'm one of your hosts, Dan Gunther, and with me, of course, is Bruce Gibson. Bruce, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. I never thought that we're the only podcast called Positively Trek. I We're so unique. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. It's, it's a badge of honor, right? You know, you got to find out what's unique about your podcast, and that's one of the things. We're called Positively Trek. Yes. We're not the only ones that are positive about Trek out there, but uh, no, absolutely not. definitely some negatively negative Trek or whatever. Out there. <laughs> That'd be the worst spinoff podcast ever. <laughs> negatively Trek. Negatively Trek. Yes. That's our follow-up show. There you go. Well, uh, yeah, so this week on Positively Trek, we are, of course, going to be talking about the Star Trek Picard episode, Mercy, Season 2, Episode 8. But before that, we do have some news items that we would like to get to. Uh, So, yeah, quite a few things that we want to talk about this week. Some of it a bit old news at this point, but some of it some new interesting stuff. A lot of new Star Trek products to spend our hard-earned money on, that kind of thing. The first of which is a novel we've talked about before, the Star Trek, the original series novel, Harm's Way by David Mack. This is coming much later this year. And it's kind of a, it's a TOS novel, but it's also continuing the Vanguard series, which I'm a huge fan of. And I know a lot of people really enjoyed. So uh, we've got the cover revealed in the last week for that, as well as a very brief back cover blurb that I don't know is the full final blurb, but, uh, you know, we'll see. Yeah, it's probably not the full blurb because, like you said, it's real short. But this cover, I was supposed to have this cover to reveal at my panel at Star Trek Mission Chicago, but we did have artwork similar to this that we showed. It just wasn't the final cover. But I do know that David Mack had mentioned that, yeah, like you said, this does incorporate some aspects of Vanguard into it. And he said it was the publisher that came to him with that idea that they wanted Mm -hmm. him to work Vanguard in. So he was like, sure. Love to go back to that. Yeah. Apparently the, the Vanguard eBooks have been selling really well recently, which is the reason for that. So that's really cool. I'm really glad those are, those are selling well still. And more people are reading Vanguard because it really is excellent. It is. I mean, I recommend it to anyone that is reading Star Trek novels. If anybody ever says to me, should I read the Vanguard? I'm always like, yes, definitely read Vanguard, especially if you like Deep Space Nine. It's not Deep Space Nine, but it Mm -hmm. does take place on a space station during the TOS time. So it's kind of like a space station series in that time frame, just like we had a space station series in the TNG time frame. But they're not alike, but it's just as good. 
Yeah. And it's I, I don't want to use like the buzzwords like dark and gritty, but it is definitely I feel like a more adult Star Trek story than people might be used to. And it's really good. I, I, I've always kind of described it as if Star Trek did an HBO television series. I feel like Vanguard would be a perfect. Of course, now since then, we've gotten rated M for mature Star Trek series. So, you know, that's maybe not as new a thing as it was all those years ago. But, you know, it's in that vein, it was. it's a bit of a precursor, I guess, to what we get some of the more adult themes of Discovery and Picard. So, yeah, it's it's very good. I, I highly recommend it. Yeah, I wonder why the ebook sales have gone up. That's interesting. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Mm. I don't know. Um, but yeah, so this back clever blurb, like I said, it's quite short. It's an all-new Star Trek novel continuing the legacy of the critically acclaimed Vanguard series. Captain James T. Kirk and the crew of the Starship Enterprise go in search of a missing Federation scientist, only to become trapped between a Klingon warship and Starfleet's mysterious Operation Vanguard. So yeah, very Vanguard heavy, even in just that short little blurb there. Yeah, so now it makes me want to go back and reread Vanguard, all those books. <laughs> yeah, I'm Before right there this with one. you. But I'm probably not going to get that done. Yeah, probably not. But I'm excited to revisit that little corner of the Star Trek universe for sure. Me too. Well, moving on from that, we have a, a frequent topic that's come up on the podcast are the one-sixth scale action figures put out by company X06. And I, I've been kind of not putting these in the news so much as, as they release pre-orders for different figures and that sort of thing. But they did just announce a pre-order for a particular figure. And the reason why I wanted to mention this in the news today is this has finally done it for me. <gasps> I've put in a deposit on a pre-order for one of these very expensive, very high-end, very beautiful figures. Wow. This is the one that has made me do it. Yeah. <laughs> You know, I saw a bunch of these at Star Trek Mission Chicago, and yeah. I think seeing photos of these don't do them justice. Because when you see mm -hmm. them in the real, I mean, it's like, it's weird how they look just like the actors. Like, you can look at pictures and go, oh, it looks really good. It looks so much like... But man, when you see in person in 3D, it, it kind of freaked me out. It was like, did they shrink these actors down to size? Because they look exactly <laughs> like them. That's what I've heard, and I can't wait to see this one in person because this is their first Deep Space Nine figure, Captain Benjamin Sisko. I'm such a huge Deep Space Nine fan. I love Sisko. I think he's an amazing captain, a terrific character. And yeah, this is what made me finally pull the trigger on getting one of these figures. So uh, it comes in two versions. There's the standard version and the essentials version. So the standard version comes with a phaser rifle, a whiskey glass from In the Pale Moonlight, his baseball, a tricorder, a phaser, a pad. And the essentials version is a little bit more stripped down, so it doesn't come with the phaser rifle or the whiskey glass. Uh, but other than that, has everything else. And I... Uh, I got the more basic essentials version, even though that phaser rifle, there's several poses where he's got it like propped up over his shoulder in kind of an iconic Cisco pose. And that looks so cool, but I just, yeah, I 
couldn't justify the extra cost there, but it's kind of cool. So it's still pretty expensive. The essentials version is $180 US. The one where you get more accessories, the standard version is $215 US. So uh, yeah, uh, a bit of an investment, but I think this is going to look so cool. I'm so excited. So where do you plan to put them? Well, I've got this shelf behind me that I have for my YouTube videos and stuff. Uh, I think I can find a place for him there and, and maybe carve out a little Deep Space Nine shelf. I've got I've got the station in one of them. I can maybe rearrange things and maybe have a little Cisco spot on my shelf. <laughs> Cisco spot. <laughs> I see he comes with a little baseball, which is like, that would really sell it for me. It's just a little baseball that comes with them. Yep, absolutely. And of course, lots of different interchangeable hands, one of which is fit perfectly to hold the that baseball in a pose. So yeah, I think there's lots of cool little poses you can put them in. And, and the baseball was a big selling point for me as well. You know, you're starting a trend because what's going to happen is you're going to get this and you're going to love it so much that when they show another figure, you're like, oh, I feel like I need to get this because I love my Cisco figure so much that yeah. I got to have this other one. <laughs> well, I'm thinking if I can like maybe channel this in just one particular area. So if I like maybe just get the Deep Space Nine figures, that might be a one way to go. The other thing is though, and it was kind of a toss up depending on which one went up for pre-order first. This is a little obscure, but there's a prototype for Krug from Star Trek Three: The Search for Spock, the character played by Christopher Lloyd. And that one just looked so good from the photos that I think that if that went up went up for pre-order before Cisco did, I would have snagged him instead. Now that I've gotten Cisco, I don't know if I want to get that. But again, like you say, I might just love this so much that I'm like, okay, here, X06, take all of my money now. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, look at Dan's shelf. It's got all the figurines on it now. <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. You've, uh, I've got to rely on the people I love to stop me. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, yeah, when that when this comes, and it, it won't be for quite a while yet, it's just up for pre-order. Not sure exactly when it's going to be released and shipped yet. Uh, and, and I've not paid for the whole thing yet. I've just put a deposit down basically to secure a spot in the, in the pre-order here. Uh, but when it does come, you know, I'll give a little review for us here on, on the podcast. Yes, and we'll get to see it on your YouTube channel. Yeah, definitely. So moving from the Exo 6 figures to more uh, Star Trek collectibles, and these are ones that I tend to get every year already. So Star Trek's already getting a good chunk of my money usually. The first Strange New Worlds Hallmark Christmas ornament coming this October with Captain Pike's USS Enterprise. So the Enterprise 1701 Hallmark Christmas ornament. I feel like this one's going to sell fast when it comes out because anytime there's an enterprise released by hallmark for their tree ornaments they tend to go very quickly yeah this is positively trek right okay so i don't really care for this one i it looks weird to me like when i first saw it i thought maybe it was the uh enterprise d at first glance oh really like the the stripes like you know, around the, the circle. I, it looked, I don't know. It looks strange to me. It doesn't look quite right. Is it just me? Am I, is it because it's morning when we're recording? I don't know. 
Because <laughs> it doesn't look like it. Like that first, if you go look at the, the link that we have in the notes, if you look at the first shot, that hall, like looking down at it, that's what made me think, oh, it's the D. And then I saw there's no D on it and I saw the nacelles and I was like, oh, that doesn't look. But does that look like what we're seeing in the new series? I feel like the the contrast between the dark and the light parts are a little stronger than what we see on the series, but the, the markings are the same as what we see on the series. But yeah, the contrast looks a little different for sure. Yeah, I think that's what it is. Like the stripes are too bold. Yeah, might might be the case. It does look a little bit. I, I feel like the hull color might be a little lighter than what we see on the show, and that might be throwing it off a bit there. I'm not sure. I do have a model kit of this ship as well that I've never built that I have stashed away somewhere. I should dig that out and see what the painting guide recommends for that. But I'm really excited for this one, though. A new Enterprise. These are, I think, prototype images as well. So it might look a little different when it actually comes out. But it retails for $32.99. It'll have lighting, of course, as these all do. I will definitely be adding this to my collection. Okay. Well, as as people know who've listened to this, I don't still have a single Hallmark ornament of any type. <laughs> Not even just Star Trek. So, but who knows? If I go in the store, maybe I have to see it, you know, in real life and maybe it it'll work on me more. But yeah, it just it just feels like the 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 stripes on there are just too bold. It's that's what's throwing me off. Well, as we know, of course, the other Hallmark ornaments that are coming this year are the, uh, I think this is the final year for the Mirror Universe Storyteller ornaments to kind of cap off that series. But we also have a couple other products they announced and showed off at Star Trek Mission Chicago, the Itty Bitties. We have Guinan and Judge Q. Those are those little tiny plush things with the really cute smiling faces on them. Uh, I have a couple that I've gotten as gifts. I got a seven of nine and Captain Janeway double set <laughs> a little while ago. Uh, these are really cute. The Guinan is just adorable. She's got her purple outfit with her like flat topped hat and then Q in his judges robes. That's they're adorable. <laughs> okay. So this is where I have a problem and, and not in a negative way, but I love these. I love these itty bitties, but I'm so afraid like we're talking about the Cisco. I'm so afraid that if I'm getting one, I'm going to want the other. Like I want them all. And that's what started happening with the Star Wars ones. So when my daughter was younger, I think I ended up with one from a Star Wars celebration. And then it just kind of snowballed from there. My daughter wanted to, And so we have a pile of these things in a room on a shelf, you know, where their toy room used to be. It's just a pile of these itty bitties and I love them. And now it's like, oh, gosh, now if I do this with Star Trek, I'm going to go crazy. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I hear you. And luckily, yeah, I haven't gone too nuts with these. I've gotten just a few as gifts, but they are really adorable. And these two in particular, I feel like are going to be pretty tempting. <laughs> I really like them. I wish I wish you could take Guinan's hands and do that thing she does when she sees Q. Yeah. Do it on the itty bitty to him. <laughs> well, there's one other product that I hadn't seen. I didn't know this was coming. Uh, there's there's kind of a snow globe type product coming from Hallmark, and this is uh, the transporter room with Kirk, Spock, and Uhura, and it's kind of a water globe with uh, those little sparkles in it, uh, and it's also got light and sound in it 
and it apparently retails for $99.99. So, you know, if you're really into snow globes and love Star Trek, this might be the product for you. This is not something currently on my list, but uh, it's kind of cool, I guess. <laughs> it is cool because, like, yeah, the snow globe effect looks like the transporter, especially from TOS. So it's yeah. a good marriage of the two. My first reaction when I saw the price was like $100 for a snow globe. But then I realized, oh, wait, I used to date a girl, and this is more than 20 years ago, and she was collecting Disney snow globes from the Disney store. And I oh, was yes. paying yeah. not quite maybe 100 Maybe Well, certain ones maybe have been were 100 but they were pretty pricey so if they were pricey back then yeah it's been more than 20 years so 100 bucks is probably the right price for this yeah i i know yeah a lot of people collect things like that and can pay pretty insane amounts so uh yeah this one definitely doesn't look like a traditional snow globe but it's kind of a neat idea for a star trek product so I, th I think they'll find their market for it, for sure. <laughs> you know what? I was just thinking I need to reach out to my ex-girlfriend and find out if what she's done with all those snow globes. Because she's married, has kids, had a house, you know, all this stuff. It's like, does she have them on display in the house? Because she had a lot of them. Because <laughs> it was to one day when she had a house... And now I'm just curious if she ever did that, because I spent a lot of money on those things. <laughs> oh, that's cool. Well, one final last uh, Star Trek product that we want to talk about is something that uh, just came out recently. The IDW series of comics that are doing one-shot issues of Star Trek Aliens. Uh, in February, we had uh, the Klingons. Star Trek Klingon issue. This month we have a focus on the Ferengi with a story featuring Deep Space Nine's Quark. Uh, so that's just come out recently. The new series, it's written by Christina Rice with art by Andy Price. And uh, I'm really interested in this one. I like Star Trek Ferengi. And we've got this cover with Quark and Ishka. And it says in big letters, the future is female. And Quark looks quite dejected, holding a sign that says, not on my station. <laughs> uh, this looks great. And Ishka with, you know, the hand in the air fighting for female equality among the Ferengi. I love this. I think this is terrific. Yeah, it looks like this will be a fun issue. So I'm, I'm interested in reading this. A anything with Quark, I really enjoy. And I didn't really realize how much I enjoy Quark until I've been doing my Deep Space Nine rewatch. And every time he shows up on screen, I'm like, yay, there's Quark. Like, I get excited about it. I'm like, I don't remember being that way when I watched it originally. Like, when every mm -hmm. time Quark showed up. But uh, I'm interested in this issue. You know, I read the Klingon issue. I don't know if you read that one yet, Dan. But uh, I haven't gotten to it yet. No. Yeah, that one, I need to reread it. Because I'll be honest with you, I was a little confused reading it. Because it seems, it, it's centering around Kalis. But... There's times like early on I'm reading it, there's not a whole lot of dialogue at first. And I'm like, wait, is this Kalis or is this Worf? Because I thought Kalis kind of looked like Worf in certain panels. And I was really getting confused. Hmm. Like, I'm not sure really what's going on. And then I started figuring out, yeah, it's Kalis and all that. But I, I do want to reread it. And uh, I, I think it's uh, it's a good issue to to check out. Okay. Well, we'll maybe have to cover that on a on an upcoming book club episode. We've kind of neglected the comics a little bit lately <laughs> well if you look at my uh the list of 
books we're planning, I have it onto the side because I thought maybe we could do that, but it really isn't long enough to devote a whole episode to. So we might have mm. to incorporate it into another one because it's just a single story and there's a lot of pages where there's no dialogue. So I feel like right. it wouldn't take that long to review. Yeah, maybe maybe we'll do like a few of the alien ones together or something like that. Ooh, that's a good idea. Yes. Well, we'll yeah, we'll figure that out and get back to you, dear listener, and uh yeah, we'll we'll see what we're doing with those issues. In the meantime, however, we're going to talk about Star Trek Picard, the latest episode. So, we'll be right back after this brief break with Mercy. This episode of Positively Trek is brought to you by our supporters on Patreon, including our Constitution class supporters, Jim Stoffel, Joyce Marin, Carl Morris, Dave Garcia, Rick Young, Paul D. Kinnear, John Blaber, and Jesse Earl. Thank you all so much for your support of Positively Trek. If you would like to become a patron of the show, go to patreon.com slash positively trek. You get early access to episodes, exclusive content, shoutouts, associate producer credits, and more. Once again, that's patreon.com slash positively trek. Thank you to each and every one of you. And now, let's fly. You're going to have to board up, lady. No cranial implant equals no board proximity transceiver. I can't track her. I meant analog. You are her. Loose with legs. What do you do? I don't know, Rafi. I'm not Borg. You are seven. <laughs> and who was that exactly to you? You know what? Never mind. So season two, episode eight, we're getting towards the end of the season. After this episode, just two left in uh, season two of Picard. And it seems we're, we're getting more of the story. We're, we're moving along. But, you know, I've been reading some comments online, maybe not moving along as fast as some people would like. So I'm curious. I'm, I'm excited to find out your opinion of this episode and where we are in the season and how much is left here. So, yeah, Mercy is the title of this episode. Uh, Bruce, when did you watch this episode and how many times? <laughs> I've seen it twice. I watched it Thursday morning as soon as I got up and then watched it again with my wife. I think maybe Friday evening, I think. But yeah, so I've seen it twice. And now uh, as of this recording, it's Monday morning. So it's been a few days since I've seen it. Yeah, I watched it Thursday evening in a hotel room with my wife. And the very first time I've ever done this, uh, we watched it on my phone, which was a very different experience. I've never done that. Uh, my wife watches all kinds of things on her phone. She, she enjoys doing that. I, I definitely like the bigger screen and, and all of that. So this was a very different experience for me. I don't know that I recommend it. I'm not really used to it yet. But yeah, that that's the only time I've gotten to watch it. I haven't watched it since, just with the busy weekend that I've had and stuff. So uh, yeah, I don't know. We'll have some interesting things to say about this episode for sure. I, I definitely want to watch it again at some point. Yeah, I watch a lot of things on my phone. But when it comes to a new Star Trek episode, I want to see it on the bigger screen. At least yeah. the first time. After that, I can watch it on my phone. But the first time I watch it, it's got to be on this big, bigger screen. Yeah, I think going forward, I'm going to 
try and make that a priority from now on because I didn't enjoy that experience as much. Not saying anything about the episode, just the experience of watching something on my phone as as a curmudgeon who's not used to that sort of thing. And oh, people shouldn't watch things on their phones. Blah, blah, blah. Not really, but uh, yeah, it was different for sure. <laughs> now you're watching it with Nikki, right? So it's two of you watching on a phone. So you're just probably playing it through the speakers of the phone too, right? Yeah, yeah, we didn't have any external speakers set up or or headsets or anything like that. It was just, yeah. Yeah. So Well, you got to do what you got to do when you're at a convention, right? <laughs> yep, absolutely. Still got to watch my trek somehow, for sure. Yes. So yeah, there's a bunch of stuff going on in this episode and and I've talked about this with Picard before, especially this season. It's hard to differentiate the episodes this season, like this is definitely a season that when I look back on it, I'll be hard pressed to remember exactly what happened in which episode, because it is very much this continuing story with these plot threads that continue on. I guess this one would be the FBI interrogation episode. Like if you had to kind of give it a label, that's kind of the main thing that's happening in this, although there's other things going on as well. And I want to get to the FBI interrogation stuff but I think I'm going to save that for a little bit later because uh, let's talk about Seven and Raffi and their search for Agnes as the Borg Queen here. Because these two characters, Seven and Raffi together, I am just falling in love with this pair. And I mean, there's a lot going on and there's some animosity and antagonism there. But boy, these two actors working off one another... I could watch them all day. Yeah, I really like that about this episode is getting a little more of them together. I mean, we were getting them sprinkled in in different episodes, and this is kind of a sprinkle too. But I feel like they got a little more screen time and working together on this one than some previous episodes. And we are getting a little more backstory to Rafi in this and we're really exploring the relationship between the two of them and where they're coming from. So it's really getting more interesting as we're going along with these two. And I've, I've, yeah, I'm really enjoying it. Yeah. And there's some interesting stuff with seven as well with dealing with her past as a Borg and her kind of feeling separated from that now and, and exploring what that's like and being not just seen as a Borg anymore. And it was interesting here because they're chasing the Borg Queen. So seven likely is going to have some kind of special unique insight into that but seven doesn't really appreciate that she has that insight because she's she's bristling against this idea of her having to think like a borg again so that was really interesting to see her kind of wrestling with that a bit because in the previous episodes we're seeing how she's enjoying the fact that she doesn't have the borg implants and people aren't looking at her like a borg they're looking at her just as this woman as if she's normal and they're treating her differently she feels like she's being treated with more respect that she's just this regular person and people aren't afraid of her and judging her because she has borg implants these people in the century don't even know what the borg are so even if she had the implants they don't know what borg is they just might go oh that's an interesting cosmetic thing you've got going there right so mm -hmm. she's feeling more comfortable and realizing how she's felt uncomfortable having the borg implants and always feeling people are always looking at her as a borg and now that they're gone, 
she's enjoying this experience, but then you have Rafi reminding her, hey, you are a Borg. You should be able to figure this out. Think like a Borg. Be like a Borg in order to accomplish this mission. And she's just like, would you stop it with the Borg stuff? Like, it just makes it, it's like bringing it back. You know, she's starting to realize, why is everybody projecting the Borg onto me at all times? Like, you know, and Mm -hmm. it's like, now that I'm in a situation where people don't know the Borg, I don't feel that anymore. And then you're just bringing it back. Absolutely. And I I felt for Seven in this one. She's torn, right? And she's lashing out at Rafi and probably not even realizing deep down exactly why she is, you know, and Rafi, of course, they're just trying to get this mission done. And and she also is trying to get closer to seven and is kind of encountering this bit of a wall that the Borg have built up inside seven. Right. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it's tough. Well, speaking of Rafi, of course, she's dealing with her own stuff at the moment and her guilt about what she feels that she contributed to Elnor's fate, I guess. Uh, She talks about being upset that she's manipulative. You know, Seven accuses her of being manipulative and Rafi says, you're right. And we get this interesting flashback scene where in kind of typical Rafi fashion, as we've seen, she manipulates Elnor into not going back to the Coat Milat for a while and instead entering Starfleet Academy right away. You know, we've seen Rafi kind of act like this before doing the kind of guilt trip thing. And now it's backfired on her. She's thinking that she's responsible for what happened to Elnor and realizing that, you know, she was manipulating him like she feels she does all the time. So that was tough. And I mean, I recognize that behavior in myself and in people around me, like we've all kind of been there. We've all kind of had that bit of a selfish desire to make things happen the way we want them to happen. And, you know, I think just in this case, it's, it's backfired on Rafi in a way that makes her feel awful. And I was really feeling for her with all of this as well. Yeah. I mean, she's really grown attached to Elnor and has been a mentor to him and to lose him. Obviously, that would affect her in a negative way. Of course, she's going to miss him and all that. But now we start to realize why it's bothering her so much. It's not just the matter of she's lost him and she's mourning for him, but she has guilt. The guilt is that she, if it wasn't for her, Elnor would probably still be alive. If she hadn't manipulated him into staying with the Academy, he could still be alive. But again, we don't know that because even in the Kwat Mulat, he's not necessarily in a safe place. He's putting himself in dangerous positions. But, but because he's been with her in the Academy and it led to his death, she feels that guilt. And she's felt the guilt of losing others, not to death, but just losing relationships. Even with Seven, they're kind of on a bit of a rocky road right now in the relationship. And so she's probably really looking back at how she handles people. And here's someone that died because of what she's done. So she's really, really evaluating how she is around others. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I think she's being too hard on herself, obviously. Yes. But it it would be hard not to feel that guilt based on on what has happened but like you said you know hindsight is 2020 
who knows what what could have happened or what would have happened if Elnor had taken a different path. You know, we don't know, right? So it's just this particular set of circumstances has happened and also i'm i'm glad that uh, that evan evagora is getting a paycheck and <laughs> is showing up in these episodes it, it, the flashback scene seemed a little weirdly placed like it took me a second to be like wait what oh it's a flashback it was a little strange but i'm glad we did get to see elnor a little bit in this episode yeah i now that you mentioned that i do remember when that flashback came it took me like just like a second or two to go wait wait what's go- oh this has got to be a flashback the transition yeah. to that should have been maybe a little more obvious at first because yeah at first it kind of took me out for a second to realize wait why are we seeing elnor now what oh wait this has got to be a flashback <laughs> yeah yeah I don't know how you would do that better, but yeah, something, some sort of indication there. I don't know if, I don't, I think we're a few years beyond doing the, like, it gets ripply and wavy and we do go to a Yeah, like Wayne's World. Exactly. That's exactly what I was thinking. Yeah. Which would have been great. I would have loved that. Absolutely. Well, yeah, we'll come back to Seven and Raffi because they do encounter Gerardi and the Borg Queen. And I want to talk about that a little later. But uh, let's jump over to Kore, Adam Sung's daughter, in quotes. And uh, this is this interesting scene where she's wearing this like virtual reality type headset called Aspectus. And uh, she sees Q in this because he's implanted a kind of computer virus of himself in this or something and shows her some stuff and, and sends her via Amazon or something, (laughs) this little (laughs) cure that we saw in the previous episode. I have to admit to being a little confused watching all of this and kind of trying to figure out all what was going on. But I, I think I eventually got there, but this was, weird like okay what is q trying to do like what exactly is his end goal here because i really don't know (laughs) this is really like i know he's manipulating adam sung by doing this and he's you know like all this stuff but I, i guess he's just trying to drive adam sung to do what he does at the end but i still don't know why he's trying to do all of this i mean i'm not I'm not complaining necessarily. Like I'm looking forward to finding out these answers, but it's just, I, I don't know his motivation at this point. Well, that little vial he gave to that Q gave to soon in a previous episode that didn't last very long. It's yeah. like, if he wants to manipulate soon to do something for him, he can just tease him with that saying, I have the full vial of stuff here that will cure her. If you do this for me. Mm, which he kind of did in a previous episode. He said, do you want the longer one? You know, do this. But I I guess he's thinking that wasn't enough. And like what he does to Corey here really pushes Sung into this kind of mania almost. <laughs> that he I guess. Undertakes I hadn't thought that end. much. Yeah, I haven't thought that much about it. And I'm not going to do it right now because I'd have to sit there here for a moment and figure out, yeah, why this? Why go this move? And I didn't really understand her wearing the VR set either. That was kind of weird to me. I mean, I know what she was looking for, but it's like, that just 
seems like an odd choice to write that in. Just go into the office and look around or whatever instead of the VR thing. I, I would say now that we're talking about, this is probably my least favorite storyline. And not just the episode, mm-hmm. but because all these kind of episodes run together one story, the soon Corey thing is my least favorite. It's not that I don't like it. It's just my least favorite. Yeah, it's it's a bit of a digression that is from from the main thing that's going on that seems kind of odd. And that's a bit of a pattern I've noticed in this season of Picard. And we'll get to another one, too, that... I thought was going to be much more of a big deal, but turns out to just kind of be a digression from the main story as well. So I don't know. And I mean, it does figure into the main plot based on what kind of happens at the end, but it's, it's still this kind of side thing that seems to be distracting from the main story, if that makes sense. Yeah. And I guess we'll figure that why this all makes sense once we get to the end. And that's why I really want to go back and watch these all one after the other instead of having a week apart. Yeah, I think it would play better. Yeah, this feels like a bingeable series, which I I never thought Star Trek would, but it kind of makes sense that this would be, you sit over a weekend and watch all of the episodes together for sure. Yeah, but the fact that he gives her this and it says freedom on it, it seems to be a way that Q is saying, okay, I have to get rid of her to get to him. Like, I really Mm -hmm. need him but he's so attached to her that for me to get him to do where I really need him to do, she needs to be out of the picture. Well, she does take this and it seems to cure her. Hopefully it's a more permanent one than, than the previous one was. And she walks out on Adam Sung and leaves and that kind of breaks him basically. It seems. And, well, and there it is. I mean, maybe that's just it too, right? I mean, Q wants to break soon because in order to yeah. get him to do what he wants him to do, he has to break him. And this is the best way to do that. The one thing I have to laugh about is if you remember last season, Issa Briones is always in her bare feet. I always say that. And that she took off her shoes again. Huh. <laughs> She's in her bare feet, feeling the grass between her toes. And I just mm, start right. laughing. I'm like, they always get her in her bare feet. Interesting. <laughs> that's funny that I've never really noticed that, but that's that's true. Oh, yeah. When we would huh. talk about season one, I would always go, oh, she was in her bare feet again. Well, uh, yeah. So let's uh, let's talk about Rios's story a little bit here because I'm I'm still enjoying. I really like uh, Rios and Teresa and even Ricardo eating too much cake out of the replicator. I don't know why one of the two adults didn't stop him there, but okay, just get sick on cake. Uh, he's fun. I like the kid. Rios and Teresa, I really like their relationship. And I honestly thought, I, I really love the writing of the dialogue in this episode. And and this episode is co-written by uh, Kirsten Beyer and Cindy Appel. So Kirsten Beyer's got part of the writing credit on this so i know i'm gonna like it because i love her writing this whole thing with Teresa and her saying like imagine we've been together for 10 years and we've drifted apart and blah 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 and you know what's one thing you tell me that would still surprise me or something i loved that i thought that was really sweet and kind of interesting like i really like her kind of starry-eyed romantic edge that we haven't really seen before that 
I don't know. I just, something about that interaction really spoke to me. I thought that was lovely. Okay. I'm going, going to go ahead and admit it. You know, when people ever ask me about Star Trek crushes, she's falling into that category now. (laughs) (laughs) And maybe because of these types of scenes, you know, it's like Rios and her together and you see them falling in love and, you know, you just kind of latch on to that whole thing because it plays so well and they work so well together, these two actors, and you can feel that chemistry there. And I, I am enjoying this relationship to the point that I want it to continue, but I know because of this whole time travel thing, it can't unless they find some creative way to make this work. But I hate to see it end. That's that's the part. Because I'd like to see even Ricardo, the three of them together, you know, kind of being a family. And I'm sitting here going, oh, I love the three of them together. Oh, wait, that can't last. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm really enjoying this. I'm loving it. Um, the one thing that I did kind of roll my eyes about, though, was the like the very typical she gets up and walks away. And then the music swells and she turns around and runs up to him and kisses him. And I, I rolled my eyes a little bit at that, but oh, well, that's fine. <laughs> you know, now that you mentioned the music swells, I, I think I would have liked it better not to have the music there. Yeah. I th- honestly think that scene would have worked so much better if it wasn't the like, you know, like, but that's okay. I'm, I'm not the, I'm not the editor or director or the composer or anything yeah it's like that kind of music makes it seems very disney princess like or something (laughs) yeah it's just just a little bit too much but yeah yeah that's okay it's a quiet scene (laughs) let her walk away and turn and walk but it just would have felt more natural and not like this build-up thing you know like because the music creates that mood i think i would have liked it better without the music I've been avoiding the elephant in the room, which is the the story that Picard and Guinan are on in this episode. So we should, we'll talk about that because then we'll get to the wrap up of the episode and how it all ends. But uh, so Picard and Guinan at the end of last episode were taken into custody by the FBI and agent Martin Wells, uh, who is played by Jay Carnes, who, of course, I made a big deal of last episode that he played Lieutenant Duquesne of the USS Relativity, the 29th century timeship. And I was like, oh, they're the time police. They must have something to do with this, blah, blah, blah. And that doesn't happen. That doesn't materialize. He apparently is not that character. He's a totally different character. And as a bit of a distraction from this episode, and this isn't the episode's fault or anything like that, but I kept waiting for that reveal. I kept looking for like the clues and then like Q at one point tells Guinan humans are all trapped in the past. And I was like, Oh, that's it. He's trapped in the past because he's from the future. And I was like, Oh, this is going to be the reveal. And then we see like a flashback to his youth on earth in the seventies. And I'm like, okay, well they've now made it very clear that he can't possibly be this guy. He is a totally different character. And that was, I was barking up the wrong tree completely. So, uh, that was a little disappointing, but again, not the fault of the episode. That's, that's, it's not their fault necessarily that they just happened to cast this guy in the role that had been written and stuff, but that's okay. No, but I think you were spot on though. I mean, maybe not the direction, the, the, the connection of the character being the same character, but the fact that they brought this actor back 
and gave him the name Wells, which, uh-huh. you know, like we discussed in this last episode, because Wells was what the name of the ship in the Wells class, the yeah. Wells class in that Voyager episode. So it's, is it a coincidence? I, I don't think so. I, again, like we discussed on the previous episode that maybe it was just, they brought this actor in realized, Oh, he was in this Voyager episode. And this is like a little Easter egg to name him Wells after the Wells class. So I feel like there's a connection there. And as I'm watching this, I was doing the same thing you were doing, Dan, waiting for that little reveal, that little connection. But I thought for all we know, the idea is that he is a distant relative. (laughs) (laughs) There you go. That could very well be. Absolutely. Yeah. So all of that aside, though, I thought this was an interesting story. I like the idea of this guy being like a Fox Mulder type who's like, the truth is out there. He had this encounter as a kid. My one issue, though, and it's kind of what I was talking about before with the other storyline is I kept expecting this to be a bigger thing. And it kind of wraps up really quickly and turns out to just be kind of another digression from the main story where like, I'm like, okay, this is going to play into the end game, the, the FBI here, blah, blah, blah. But it, it turns out that he's kind of acting by himself and he ends up getting fired at the end after all of this, because nobody knows that they're down there. He hasn't filed any paperwork. He gets explained by Picard why, what happened when he was a kid, why that happened and what was happening. And he accepts that very quickly. Like I said, I like this whole storyline. I thought it was interesting, but it just kind of wraps up really quickly and then is kind of like, okay, that's done. And I was a little disappointed that it doesn't seem to really be factoring into the rest of the show in a big way. He's got his box of stuff and is leaving and sets them free at the end. And I assume that's the last we'll see of him. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it'll figure in still somehow, but it was just like another digression from the main story that doesn't seem to go anywhere, if that makes sense. If they do not play this out in the next two episodes, then yes. Then it was just a a side story that had no bearing on anything else that's going on. But I think that there must be something where he'll come into play to help them out on something at the last Mm -hmm. minute or whatever it is, or the FBI, something. But if it doesn't, I mean, I enjoyed the story. I loved seeing this character, asking them questions and trying to figure these things out and what his backstory was. I mean, I was enjoying that whole thing and and Mm -hmm. seeing Jean-Luc talk to him and, you know, was the mind, did they reach out like this to your face? Those were Vulcans and, and doing like, you know, what a mind meld would be like on him. I love that whole play, you know, that whole thing playing out. But t- to your point, I remember when he walks in with his box of stuff and he indicates, you know, been fired. And he goes to the door and is like, you got it. You better get going. And it's like, so that's it. Like, they're just going to yeah. leave. <laughs> and you, you're not going to do anything else. You're, that's, that's your story. We're done. You know, it does seem like it, it's not concluded. Like there's something yeah. else. And he seems to accept what Picard says really easily as well. Yeah. Too. You know, like, I don't know that if I'd had that experience as a kid and it traumatized me like it did him. And he's like, the aliens are out there, blah, blah, blah. And then 
in the course of an afternoon with this guy who says he's from the future, he says, oh, those were Vulcans. They were trying to erase your memories. I don't know that I'd feel better about that. (laughs) I'd be like, oh, okay, cool. I'd be like, they were trying to what? Oh my gosh, you know. Which, you know, I I think it's a necessity of the episode that they want to wrap that up quickly. But I don't know that I buy how quickly he's like, oh, okay, cool. I'm I'm at peace with all of this now. Yeah, I remember when Jean-Luc's reaching out to him with his hand. I expected this guy to grab his hand and say, don't touch me. Yeah, or flinch back. Yeah. Yeah, because like, how do I know you're not going to do what... He doesn't know that... He still thinks Picard's an alien at this point, right? Yeah, because he's saying like, oh, they were like trying to suck my brains out or something. (laughs) You know, and then Picard's like, (laughs) you mean like this? And he just lets him, you know? Yeah. I mean, Dan, I mean, you and I know each other so well, but... I mean, if you just start reaching your hand toward my face, I'd probably back up a little going like, what are you about to do? (laughs) You know? But then I thought about it. I was like, well, maybe he's just like, like in, just like in the shock, he's just so into it. Like what? Yes. What? Yeah. He reached out to me just like, and just as in this, almost like a trance as Jean-Luc is mentioning these things and just allowing it to happen because he's like reliving it and he wants it to happen because he's trying to figure it out or something, you know? I do also like just the the kind of vague tie-in to the Enterprise episode Carbon Creek and the timing of it actually works out really well thanks to one line of dialogue in Carbon Creek. Now obviously these Vulcans aren't the Vulcans from that episode. This Vulcan isn't Mistral who we saw or anything like that as people were maybe speculating from the trailer way back when when we saw these Vulcans, but There's a line in Carbon Creek where Mistral is saying he wants to stay behind and Tamir says, you know, don't stay behind. Maybe I can get you assigned to another survey of the planet in about 20 years or so. And this takes place in the 70s in the youth of Agent Wells and Carbon Creek was in the 50s. So I don't know if that was a coincidence or if they really like looked at it and said, Hey, let's, let's time it perfectly. Uh, this was about 20 years later after that. So this is the next Vulcan survey nice. of earth. Nice. So that's kind of cool. See, this is again, one of the reasons I like podcasting with you because you'll bring something that I'm like, ah, oh, I didn't even think that, or I wouldn't even picked up on that. I mean, I've seen carbon Creek several times. I didn't recall that line that you just mentioned. Now, I did mm-hmm. get uh, Carbon Creek vibes watching this episode, like like you were saying. And I thought, well, it makes sense that they're surveying there because they've done something like this before. you know. But it's like, I didn't even think about that line that says, oh, next couple decades or so, like we'll be doing another survey. And well, this is it, right? That's so I'd like to think that the writers knew that and, and played that. Yeah. Yeah, I'd like to think so, too. I think that it just works out so nicely. Yeah, I like that. It does. <laughs> well, let's get back to Seven and Rafi, and they, they manage to track down the Borg Queen, and Seven uses some of her knowledge to... And this is kind of a neat addition to canon. I like this, that the Borg use lithium ions as a stabilizer to allow the body to produce nanoprobes and and that kind of thing. I think that's cool. I like that, that little bit of, and the fact that the smell of it reminded seven of her assimilation as a youth. And just that, that 
triggering that I thought was that was interesting. And yeah, they find Gerardi basically sucking up car batteries <laughs> and gaining strength like this. And they try and stop her, but they're not able to. And she gets away, which sucks because she finds Adam Sung and gets in cahoots with him now. Uh, so what did you think of, of pairing these two together? And, and what's the end game here? Like, what is the Borg Queen trying to do now? I don't like, know. <laughs> on, on the very on the surface of it, I was like, okay, if she elevates this guy, we get the future of the Confederation where the Borg are wiped out. So why is she trying to help that? Unless, of course, in true Borg Queen fashion, she's got her own plans on top of this that she thinks is going to succeed. But it seems risky to like start that future off where the Borg lose so big. I don't know. You know, I should have spent time really just thinking about this episode a little more because yeah, now I'm wondering why is she coming to soon? Why is Q coming? I mean, they both are right. So, Mm. Obviously, at the start of the season, we see this alternate timeline and we know we've seen the statue or representation of soon so that we know he has a big play. So Q would know this and Girardi would know this. And I assume the Borg Queen would know that there's some big significance with soon. And so they are all focusing on him for whatever reason i guess what i'm trying to say is as i'm thinking through this q is going to him and the boar queen is going to him but that q and the boar queen aren't working together but they all Mm. both pursue him so why why is he such a significant figure that they both have to go for him yeah well we know from this episode that like his technology, his research is going to be rendered obsolete by what Rene Picard finds on this mission. Right. So they're trying to stop that so that Sung becomes this great person in the future. But yeah, why? Why? Yeah. If they want to stop Rene, why are they going to soon to stop Rene? Yeah. I don't know. He did say he has access to mission control. That's true, yeah. But did they know that ahead of time? They wouldn't, would they? (laughs) Maybe. I mean, Q seems to know. Q doesn't have all his powers, but he does still seem to know quite a bit. So the other thing, though, of course, is uh, I want to comment on is Alison Pill acting as the Borg Queen. Incredible. I love her as an actor. She does such a great job in this. I'm glad you mentioned that because I was going to say that too. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm convinced that she is the Borg queen, the way she's portraying this character. And then, you know, when they bring their special forces together and she touches that one soldier. <laughs> oh, great. Yeah. Let's talk about that. So Sung has access to these mil- this military, paramilitary, basically. And they get some of their best soldiers together to turn into drones to attack La Serena, it seems. That is terrifying. I was, like, honestly getting the heebie-jeebies watching that. Like, how, like, Sung is so terrible. And, like, the Borg Queen, just, like, the fact that they're working together. Oh, man. I'm, yeah. 
boy, he creeps me out. And and that's yeah. Well, the uh. yeah, the Borg drones. When that happened at the very end of this episode, I thought, okay, we have two episodes left. This is where it's really going to start taking off. You were mentioning at the start of this episode of our, our podcast here that you've been reading people online saying about the pacing has been too slow or it's not, you know, I, I haven't felt that way at all. I mean, the pacing has worked mm-hmm. for me. I mean, I feel like this could go maybe another seven episodes. But at the end of this, I felt like, okay, now we're coming to the climax of the story. Like, all of a sudden, episode nine is really going to start taking off. All these things are going to start melding together. And then we'll get to the last episode, and that's the big finale. Well, I mean, I don't have a problem with the pacing either. Like, I'm I'm really invested in this story. I love seeing it play out. And again, as we've said, you know, this is going to be a very bingeable series, I think. Uh, I'm really curious to see how it all goes in the next two episodes, the one thing that I'm just, I, I don't have a problem with necessarily, but I'm starting to notice it is just the, the lack of answers to questions. It's just, we're getting more and more questions. Like, why is this happening? What, what are the, what's the motivation of this character and that character? Why are they trying to do this? I'm fully expecting those answers in the next two episodes. Like you say, I'm I th- probably just eager to, to know how it goes, which isn't a bad thing. That's the sign that they've got me hooked, right? So Well, and the thing is, when this all ends, you know, we may be looking back and going, wait, wait, then why did they, and, you know, and I mean, I had that experience with other shows like this and and movies or something, but that's the reason I love to then go back and rewatch it because mm-hmm. now that I know where it's going, the experience is different. And all of a sudden, the an- then I start realizing some of the answers to my questions were always there. I just didn't know to look for the answer at a certain point. But now that I know the question and I pick something up earlier in an earlier episode that kind of answers it, like, oh, I never even made the connection of those two. Now that I've seen it through once, watching it a second time, the pieces are falling more into place. And so I'm looking yeah. forward to that experience. Yeah, absolutely. This is going to be a really fun rewatch, I think, for sure. Yes. So, Bruce, I guess uh, if there's not m- nothing else to say about the episode as we've gone through it, uh, do you have any final thoughts for Mercy? I would say that I enjoyed this maybe a little more than the last few. I don't know. I just remember really being into it. And I did like the whole Agent Wells storyline that was taking place, even though, like we're just saying, what was the point of all that, like to the overall story? So I do hope there's a payoff to this later. But I did enjoy the storyline regardless. And even we didn't really talk much about it, and I don't have a lot to say about it, but I did enjoy the scene between Q and Guinan. I was going to bring that up too, yeah. Yeah. Not to me that there's any big reveal in that relationship, but it was just... It was just a good scene to see that. Oh, and then to see her be able to project to Picard, that was a new yeah, thing. Yeah, new uh ability, I guess. Yeah. I mean, you briefly mentioned the message to Picard, but like that ability of how she got that message to him was interesting. And her nose is bleeding a little as she's doing it. So that was pretty cool. And then, yeah, the Raffi 7 relationship, I enjoyed that. And Girardi being the Borg Queen, great acting portrayal of the Queen. 
balancing those two characters together. Yeah, Rios and Teresa and Ricardo and... I mean, every scene, like, I'm liking all these different characters together. And by the way, and I can't remember her, the actress's name, top of my head, but the one who's playing Guinan now, I'm so used to her being Guinan that she's, like, now my Guinan. Oh, wow. Yeah, she's terrific. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm never sure of the pronunciation, but Ido Egayeri? I'm not sure if that's right, but... I need yeah. to I need to find that out. I'm not sure. she, Yeah, she's incredible. Yeah. She's really great. I'm not saying I don't like Whoopi Goldberg as her. I'm just saying I'm used to her now that she is Guinan. You know, it's not because the first time I watched it, I'm, I'm comparing her to Whoopi Goldberg and oh, I kind of wish it was Whoopi doing this, but that's okay. But I've already bought into her. She's good. So overall, I will give this episode four and a half out of five slices of cake that Ricardo ate. Yeah, I'm I'm mostly in agreement with you on a lot of this. I'm really enjoying this. I think I enjoyed this more than the last few episodes as well. There's so much great acting and writing in this episode. I I think Kirsten Byers writing really came through and and full credit to her co-writer as well. I I shouldn't say it's just her obviously, but there's there's great stuff in this. I'm loving Teresa and Rios and uh, Ricardo as well. And Alison Pill is the Borg Queen. As much as I don't like that, again, her actual personality is being taken over by someone else, just like last season, her acting sells it. Like, she's so good at this. And the Agent Wells storyline, like you, I really enjoyed it. It's it's a little frustrating to me that it just seems to be this side thing that's, you know, but maybe it won't be. Maybe it'll it'll figure in more. I hope so. Uh, but even if it doesn't, I still really enjoyed it. And I think Jay Carnes is a great actor, and I was glad to have him, even though he wasn't playing Duquesne. That's fine. I, I really enjoyed that story. So kind of the, the Fox Mulder of the Star Trek universe at this point. Yes. I love that. So... Uh, yeah, I'm curious to see where it's all going. I'm I'm enjoying the the heck out of this. I love that Q did eventually show up to Guinan, and maybe it was just like we said last week. He just had to get there by bus or whatever. <laughs> I thought about that. <laughs> it's just taken forever. Uh, yeah, you mentioned Ito as Guinan, and I absolutely love her as Guinan as well. And she is totally Guinan in my head as well. My one tiny regret in this episode is that the reunion, pre-union between Q and Guinan wasn't John Delancey and Whoopi Goldberg. Yeah. But that's, I mean, that's unavoidable. That's okay. Yeah. Uh, I, I do love Ido as Guinan, and I think she's doing an incredible job. I just, I would love to see Guinan and, or, um, Whoopi Goldberg and John Delancey together, you know, redoing their their face off thing. Yes. But that's okay. I, that's I okay. agree. Yeah. So that, that would have been cool. I think that thought did occur to me at one point, but yeah. So yeah, I'm, like I said, enjoying this more than previous episodes. I'm going to have to give it, I think, uh, four out of five mind melds interrupted by beaming up. So it doesn't quite take. <laughs> <laughs> There you go. And I fully expect that in the next episode or two, we will say Cor we will see Core on the beach like we saw in the painting. Ah. In season one. And she'll be in her bare feet. 
<laughs> I like it. I like it. Absolutely. Well, Bruce, when you're not taking note of when Issa Barona shows up in bare feet, where can we find you? I swear, when I saw her at the convention Chicago, I wish I would have gone up to her and asked her why she's not in her bare feet at that moment. But uh, <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> good thing I didn't. But uh, you can find me on Twitter at Admiral underscore Rex. That's Admiral with the underline Rex. I'm also on Instagram at just Admiral Rex, no underline. And uh, also on a recent episode of Literary Treks. And I'm also co-managing StarWarsReport.com. The podcast has ended, but the website continues. So we have blogs on there about Star Wars. And we still have a podcast network of podcasts about Star Wars on there. So check those out. Excellent. And you can find me on Twitter. I'm at Kurtrats. That's K-E-R-T-R-A-T-S. You can also find me on YouTube.com slash Kurtrats Productions and on Instagram at Kurtrats47. Speaking of Instagram, you can find the show there at Positively Trek and on Twitter at Positively Trek. Check out our website, PositivelyTrek.com. And of course, the Positively Trek discussion group on Facebook, which is my favorite place to hang out online. We also have a Goodreads group for our book club episodes. And check out our Patreon, patreon.com slash Positively Trek. And thank you so much to our Patreon supporters. We really could not do the show without you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. For Positively Trek, I'm Dan Gunther. He's Bruce Gibson. We'll see you in our next episode. Until then, as always, stay positive. Well, Bruce, when you're not keeping an eye out for Issa Briones and her bare feet, <laughs> maybe I won't say that. <laughs> that sounds a little... Did you know a 2018 study showed half of prenatal vitamins tested had unacceptable levels of heavy metals? I'm Kat, mother of three and founder of Ritual. When I was four months pregnant, I couldn't find a prenatal I could trust, so I created my own. Ours is made traceable, third-party tested for heavy metals, and recently earned the Purity Award from the Clean Label Project. But don't just take my word for it. Get 25% off at ritual.com podcast. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.